Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I know it's been a minute since I did my last show. I took a couple of weeks getting ready for the National, being at the National. And so I apologize to all of you who have been eagerly anticipating a new episode of Golden Age of Cardboard. So all three of you that were looking forward to that, here you go. You got a new episode. Um, Yeah, man, just got back from being in Atlantic City. It was an amazing experience, just like it is every year. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, As I talked to my guests today, who were also at the show, we're going to go through all kinds of stuff. We're going to go through everything from the venue, the place, the, you know, how the vintage market was. That's what we're going to focus on today. So you're going to hear a lot about that. I'm probably going to share some pickups because there's a lot of you that listen to the podcast or watch on bench clear that don't necessarily follow me on baseball collector and where I was doing daily recaps every day. So if you do that, you'll hear some redundancy, some things you've heard before, but I hope you'll enjoy it because I had a really great show. Uh, There's no other way to put it. I had a fantastic show and I have to admit that I was really wrong about what I expected from this show and what actually came to fruition. I don't want to spoil any of that. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute once I bring my guests on board. Uh, but I want to say quickly before I do that, how much I truly appreciate so many of you that uh, came up to me and just said how much you love the show, how much you love this show, especially the the podcast and several guys that expressed to me how this show you know, really helped them as they were getting into vintage and just how much it's really accelerated their collecting. And that I I only needed one person to tell me that and it would make it worth it. And I had a bunch of you tell me that. So thank you very much. I had several of you that only listen on podcast and you don't know what I look like. You don't watch it on YouTube. And so they would, I was at Craig's table many times throughout the show and there would be someone that had come to Craig's table Uh, He's a dealer that I've had on the show several times just because he was on the show. And I said, you need to go check out Craig's stuff. And and they hear me talking to Craig. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're Mike, (laughs) because they could hear my voice. So that was just super cool. And I'm always humbled by that. I can't imagine anybody listens to this, but I I know that you do. And I and I appreciate that. So let's get into the show itself. Let me bring on my two guests. You've seen them on here a bunch before. Both of them were with me for the series we did on the favorite sets of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it's none other than George 
Diamond Yard Sports Cards and Don from Don's Field of Dream Cards. Hey guys. What's up, Mike? What's up, George? Hey Mike. Do we have any voices left? That's the, the first critical question. And, and are our feet sore? The dogs are barking. The dogs are barking. My feet yeah. are fine. It's my freaking knee. Your knee. Yeah, I mean. A bad knee. And we're not exactly, you know, spring chickens in terms of age, but uh, I met, I was able to meet George. This is the first time you and I met in person was at this show. And yeah, it was. It was it awesome was to see you. I mean, I'm 6'2", and George is a lot taller. You're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, something like About that. 6'4", yeah. yeah. And Don's, you know, 7'2". <laughs> you know, George is, is the closest YouTuber to my height. I think maybe I have a half an inch on so. You're the yeah. Randy Johnson of YouTubers, Don. Yeah, right? Randy Johnson. Apparently. I got several times from someone, uh, you're taller than I expected you to be. And so that happens. Uh, but it was great to see you again, Don. Of course, this was our second show together. Right. Second time we've hung out at the National. And overall, Don, start with you. Your just overall impressions of the National. I had a blast. It was so much fun. It was a little different than last year because I knew you guys all through YouTube and text and emails, but I hadn't met anybody. So this year, um, you know, it was like a reunion because I, I met many of you before. And then having an Airbnb, just like you did, Mike. Um, it, oh my God, we had a blast. And this guy up here, George, is a freaking animal. He's the reason I'm so tired right now. But uh, we're in the same Airbnb, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That looked like the party house, I'm telling you. It, it, there was a lot of activities going on there. And, and Rick kept buying chunk wax every day. We were breaking it at night. It, it, it was just so much fun. No one cared about the cards. It was just it was just a great time. And the show was great. Um, I have no complaints, you know. Atlantic City is what it is, but it didn't stop us from having a good time. Okay. <laughs> George, what are your thoughts? I think the number one thing was meeting with everybody and hanging out. I mean, that was really the number one thing uh, for me. Uh, not only the, the group of guys I stayed with, which were an awesome, awesome group, and Don hooked us up with this Airbnb, and he did a really good job. Much better uh, than Mike did. <clears throat> oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> you did say that out loud. Yeah, You're, I'm going to uh, mute you for the rest of the session. <laughs> there, there were no mattresses next door to our, our Airbnb, but that's another story for the time. But I, I think ever meeting everybody was also huge. Um, going to the YouTuber uh, meet and greet that was a lot of fun. We missed the second night, which I heard was outstanding. And so, you know, for for me, that was the the absolute total number one thing. Uh, and like you said, Mike, with having people come up to you and saying to you, you know, hey, this this uh, Golden Age of Cardboard broadcast really you know, helped me, motivated me. I had, you know, you have people come up to you and they're like, I'm so honored to meet you. And it's really humbling because, you know, we're just doing kind of what we love on the channel, on our different channels, respectively. And then when we get together uh, and to have people really just appreciate it is, is something else. Um, so for me, those... Those were the top things, just the, the 
just really enjoyed seeing everybody. And it wasn't just, you know, I really tried to talk to people more as much as I can. And I think that was to my detriment show wise, pretty much because I didn't, I wasn't uh, prowling the show like I probably should have, but uh, I really enjoyed the social element of it a lot. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people, it's a tough balance, right? Because you've got the social aspect that the people you want to meet, talk to, hang out with, and then you've got a very limited amount of time to be on the show floor and looking for cards to add to your collection. And look, I'm, I realize that I'm blessed. I was able to be there on Tuesday afternoon, um, go into the show during setup day, which, oh, by the way, for those of you that don't know, there's dealers set up I and mean, there's a lot of dealer deals happening on Tuesday and early Wednesday, pre public opening of the show. And so I was able to do that. I had everything, all of my really big cards that I was targeting bought before the show even opened on Wednesday. And that allowed me the freedom from then on to be more social and not, I wasn't stressing about getting cards. Uh, not that that should be stressful in any setting, but I mean, I, I came wanting to find some deals. Uh, and, and I expected that to be that way. This is where I was mentioning earlier that I was wrong. I expected it to be a lot larger fire sale from a, from a seller slash dealer's perspective, given the state of the economy, given inflation and all the things that are going on in our world. I'm thinking, man, these guys are going to want to get out of this stuff and get out from under all this inventory and, and get some cash back in their pocket. And that was not the impression that I got once I started talking to dealers and trying to actually buy cards. Um, it was not a fire sale. It was more of a, there were dealers that were willing to make deals and dealers that were absolutely not willing to make deals. Uh, I, I had a dealer tell me, I think you guys have heard the story, but he said, I didn't pay $5,000 to make deals with you guys go somewhere else. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, didn't sell a lot of cars. I don't know. I didn't go back to his booth the rest of the show. That was oh, on like Wednesday morning. And he was back in the corner. Um, but overall, I would say the venue itself, I think, was outstanding. Like the, really? the actual convention center. I mean, I thought they set it up really well. Uh, it was gigantic. Like, could y'all believe how big it was? I mean, it's bigger than Chicago, no doubt. I think so too. The bathrooms were clean. There weren't any long lines. Yeah, you know, it, it was nice. They did run out of food pretty much every day, did they? which was kind of funny. Uh, and the food there was actually—I had a burger one day. It was really good. Uh, I had chicken fingers one day. I was there, but. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't think about that stuff, but people that go to a show experience want to know about the minutia of it, ironically. How's the food? How, is it easy to get to? Internet's terrible, just so you know. Um, oh, uh, let me tell you this. That, I mean, from a negative, very positive about a lot of things, but the internet really, from day one, there were problems with the internet. And I, I, I took a lot of cards to trade, trying to maybe, I didn't want cash to make a deal for a big card. And that may have been what retarded me from making that deal. But I was talking to the dealers 
And I was thinking, man, this is causing a lot of problems for the dealers too, because people want to trade cards, maybe do cash and trade, and you can't can't look up the comparables. Yeah, um, you wonder how much they lost, George. They lo- I think they, they lost a bunch of business. I was at one booth with um, John Mangini, and John asked for a price, and the dealer looked at him, and this is a big time dealer, and he said, "Well, if you can pull up your phone and get the comps, then we can go from there." I was like. What do you mean I have to get the comps for you? And then we just walked away. But that was the wrong way to go about it. But that was the case for everyone. I mean, you just couldn't go anything. You couldn't yeah, even I, you couldn't even text each other. Hey, I'm over here. Call each other. You know, meet me here. There was, you just couldn't yeah, do anything. We had to go old school and say, hey, I'll, we'll meet out front at this time. Right. You know, and if you're not there, you're going to miss the train out. Right. So it was just, I mean, you couldn't text. You couldn't call. Um you know, I try to talk to my wife, can't talk to her. It's in and out. It's just the reception was awful. I think that was my biggest complaint about the show was the, I mean, you know, this should not be a big deal. Other than that, though, there are a lot of positives for sure. But going back to your um, your, your thought, Mike, about the, the prices and the dealers willing to deal or not to deal, I think it's interesting because I think these these guys, there's a lot of modern guys trying to get into vintage, and there are not a lot of vintage guys trying to get into modern. So came into that. So right. So so these vintage guys have been doing this for years, I imagine, uh, and they they don't have to. They're not. They didn't. They're not into it for. I'm like you know, the younger guys. Say, oh, well, I'm into it this for this much. Not younger guys. Just some some modern collectors trying to move maybe their modern inventory. These vintage collectors kind of got in low. I think. I mean, I know they're dealers, but but they tend to get in low on stuff, and the stuff tends to hold its value more and doesn't doesn't go down as much. Uh, as we, we would hope it had gone down, at least in our eyes, for the show. You know, on that on that point too, George, some of these older dealers were around before there were comps and eBay. So it, I don't think it was a big deal for some of them. They kind of know what they had into it and what they want for it. And, and it wasn't an issue with them. They're like, we've done shows for years without eBay or the internet. And I had no problem with a lot of dealers. Really. It was like, here's the price, here's what I offered. We worked out a deal. I mean, me personally, on their end, there was no issue with the internet. I mean, I couldn't look at comps, but they knew what they wanted. Well, I think a, a solution for that, for the national to think about, not that they're going to listen to this and care at all what I think, but I bet every person that bought a ticket would pay a dollar more to have, you know, some, what are the, the things called that they in, in, amplify the signals, you know, the, the repeaters, you know, for both cell service and internet, right? you know, if you could pay a dollar more and know it was going to be solid, everybody would do that. I mean, we're, there's so many people in one place. You knew it was going to be a, a stress on the system, right? A strain on the. And I didn't notice that in Chicago. I mean, I've only been to two, but I had no problems out there. That's true. Internet. That's true. Good point. Um, so maybe Chicago is a little more forward thinking the facility or the, the conference. Well, what'd y'all think yeah. of the venue itself? Or go ahead, George, if you have another thought on that. I, I was just going to say, you know, along the lines of this, the bad internet preventing deals from happening. It also prevented, you know, I, I the first thing I did when I got in there, I, a cup, one of our guys was looking for a specific card. Lou Rock TV was looking for a specific card. I got there before him. I saw a card in his grade he wanted. I took a picture. I sent it to him immediately. 
And, uh, and later on, uh, when I saw him, I, he's like, I didn't get that. I looked down. It was my very first text in the convention center on Thursday. And it was a Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. We were there. And, and he didn't get it. And then that was at the very beginning. And so you could text people, hey, there's a card over here. I'm looking for a certain card. And you couldn't communicate to let people know, you know, where these cards were, let alone the comps. Yeah, some so, of you I mean, on just, Wednesday, some of us were the guy with a flat tire on Wednesday. But oh, yeah. I'm not bitter. It is interesting. Something that you're talking about, I think it, for those people that collect and they don't really have a, a network of friends, uh, a community to rely on. That's why I encourage people all the time to get involved in the community, whether it's, if you're just a watcher and, and you start commenting and and you're you know a part of that group, if, if you're there by yourself, the, the show's overwhelming already and but I always had guys texting me, Hey, I found this over here or this over there. They'd call me, Hey, come over here and look at this. And it was great. You, you basically had a village, you know, looking for you. And, and I would, I did the same thing. I would go around with guys and help them find cards that they were looking for and help them, you know, assess, is it a good deal or not? Help them negotiate, et cetera. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun for me, especially when I was out of money. Um, that was super like, what else am I going to do? I might as well help my buddies find cards. So that, yeah, that, I, that's I, valuable. I it's the, it's the, the buddy system. Like this isn't a hundred table show. And that was the, the thing that I'm still trying to get over is how massive this show was. I mean, it's just massive. And, you know, like I'll, I'll say, you, you don't know until you experience it. And it was my first national and you're trying to find a booth that you thought a card was at, and you have to take, you should take a picture of it or write the number down so you know where you're going. But you know, it's it really helped the Boy Scout system, the buddy system. Having somebody with you is very yeah. helpful because two eyes are better than one, or two sets of eyes are better than one set of eyes when you have all these tables. And I, I suspect it was somewhere around 700 tables. I mean, it's massive. You said before, George, when we had talked. Oh, I've been to card shows before. And I'm like, you haven't been to this one, you know? And I, I teased you a little and I was thinking to myself, he doesn't even, you can't explain it. You just can't. No, you can't. The scale yeah. of it. Were you even surprised by that? You've been to big card shows before. Was this on a different level? Oh, I was surprised by the amount of dealer. Okay. I was, I was disappointed in one end on, on some of the selection now of some things and then i was very impressed on the other hand by some others i mean yeah you don't i don't go to shows typically where you know there's uh you know 40 dealers that have a 52 mantle you know I, you don't go to a show very often where the hank aaron rookie card is in almost everybody's case um you know throughout the vintage group uh, i didn't you know i'm not going into modern all that much but i did go over there and look around so you know, you're, you're talking about, uh, you, you forget sometimes, oh, you know, a Gaudi, you're having a couple Gaudi Ruths. I'll go back to the guy over there who had the Gaudi Ruths. Well, the guy who had the Gaudi Ruths is really like 60 guys who have Gaudi Ruths. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do that, and they're not all together. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for a certain grade or looking for a certain centering or whatever you're looking for, you can, you can lose yourself really quickly uh, if you're not keeping track of things on your phone and taking pictures and knowing where to go back to. Yeah, they're going so, back. Yes, Mike, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Don. Yeah, going back to the YouTube buddy system, 
first of all, the first three cars I bought were off of YouTubers. First car I bought was off of George in our Airbnb before I even made the show. But you were with me there, Mike, when I bought a car off of JT. That opportunity would not have been available to me if I didn't know these guys on YouTube. You know, it was a card I was looking for, and he happened to have it. But if I didn't know you, I didn't know JT, I wouldn't have found it on the floor. It wasn't from a dealer. And the second thing was I bought an autographed baseball. That is not the game I play in. So I got a hold of Jake. said, come on down, help me out. He looked at the ball, looked at, you know, what year it was, what was written on it, what the price should be, worked a deal. So I used his expertise to help me get the ball. And then he tied that into the dealer saying, hey, I helped you here with this guy. And he ended up getting a good deal on a ball. And it's just like, you know, there's guys in this hobby that know a lot more about things that you know nothing about. And it's great to have that resource to call them up and say, hey, man, help me out. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And no one ever says no, do they? No. Meaning everybody is... I don't want to harp on this because not everybody has this, right? So I I guess my point is to tell you that if you don't have that, you're welcome. We got plenty of room for you, you yep. know, in this. There community. were so many new guys that just started yeah. channels that I met this yeah. week that joined in. And it, it was great. They were at, they were at your, your night. And, um, and it's amazing how many dealers don't know about the, our YouTube community. We tell them what yes. we do. Y'all, we're a bunch of guys that like each other. We all make YouTube channel or we all make YouTube content about baseball cards. They're like, really? Like, they have no idea. We're, and I'm like, well, we're, we're showing your boost and stuff. Yeah, that's so true. Um, let's get into the cards themselves a little bit because I think that's really, you know, the experience was awesome. I think we can all agree with that. I'd choose not to ever do it in Atlantic City again if I had my druthers, but I, you know, again, have no say in that. But overall, it was awesome. I saw more vintage at this show, I think, than I remember in Chicago. There's always a lot of vintage at the National, so it's really tough to compare, honestly. But I saw more raw vintage here than I think I've seen at a National before. There was mountains of it. Everywhere you looked, lots of vintage. Do you all agree with that? And do you guys think, or were you, if you agree, were you surprised or not surprised? And then I have a complaint about that too after you answer that question. I wasn't surprised by the amount of vintage, nor the raw versus the, the slab. The only issue I had, I was looking for some 50 Bowman Hall of Famers and, and lower grades, and they're not the top guys. And I had a really hard time Actually, I didn't buy any, you know, it, it, and I was looking for a certain T206 and all I could find was super high grades. Are the guys talking about the back, how rare it is? And I don't care about that because I just want, I don't have a T206. I just wanted the card. So as far as like where, you know, I, Mike and I definitely play sometimes lower grades. I felt like I had a harder time finding some lower grade stuff. I mean, I, I got some, it's not like it wasn't there. But there's so much high-end vintage that I was a little disappointed that I couldn't find what I was looking for as far as the lower-end vintage. I don't want to say common because they're Hall of Famers, but they weren't the top-end guys. Yeah, and Don, I would agree, to, agree with you. I was looking for a specific 49 Bowman non-Hall of Famer 
uh, Eddie Wakeis. And, uh, you know, there's no no stacks of 49 Bowman Commons around. You know, everybody is bringing their best stuff to sell. They, you know, their stuff is going to sell and give them the most money. Um, so I think that probably, you know, that's what you're saying is absolutely true. And uh, I did see a lot of vintage that was there was a ton of 50s and 60s vintage. Um, a lot of it. Uh, almost like too much. Like, I mean, you could, if you wanted to find a certain 50s or 60s card, I think you really could do that in all kinds of grades. Um, 40s, 30s, maybe, maybe not. That's something I observed. Yeah, but 70s stuff, 80s stuff was pretty non-existent, really. You know, and that's the thing that I'm going to echo both, what both of you are saying. There were high-end cards everywhere you looked, and I get why dealers use that valuable showcase space for those cards but and i didn't want and i know these guys bring more than they put out but i don't want to sit and ask every vintage dealer hey what do you have behind the behind the curtain so to speak what's back there because i'm looking for the mid to low grade stuff a few of them i asked and and i got a couple boxes to look through and stuff but it i I, there's so many tables i don't have time to stop at every one and ask what they have I wish there was more of that just available, like obviously available, but I get why there's not, but it's a, it was the thing that disappointed me the most. I would have probably bought a lot more 20 to a hundred dollar cards if I could just find them instead. I, and I had targeted a couple of big cards. I'll talk about that in a second, but. Well, even I, was, I went to your, your buddy Craig and I introduced myself and I mentioned how I enjoyed you know, on podcast, and I, I bought some cards from last year. And again, looking for this QH206, and he said, I didn't bring any Hall of Famers. They're all common, but they're all high grade because there's a lot of guys that collect that set. And I was just like, like he had tons of details there. And I would love to buy them because there's certain guys you, you because they're good guys and good dealers, but you kind of want to give them your business. Yeah. Um, but we get it, right? I mean, they only have so much space in their vehicle. Yeah, right. Or it, it just kind of sucks that that is what it is right? Uh, for guys like us. And he had a lot it, of it, seems to, it seems to me that it, it actually could be bigger. It should be, I feel like it should be bigger and more organized. You know, like by what you do, maybe I'm, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's like, you know, we, they did have the vintage guys kind of in the same area. Um, but then we, I, we found a great vintage guy in the back corner who was willing to work with us and a real friendly guy. And he was just, he was right near the breakers or the, what the whatnot booth. I was right. just going to say that George, it, it would be awesome if they had sections. Here's modern, here's vintage, here's the breakers, here's the corporate. I mean, some of those guys take up so much floor space. If you went over like in the breakers section, it was dead over there. Like, and I just randomly, I didn't know it was over there, so I walked over there. And it, it's like, it would be so nice to be able to just go in areas and you know what you're looking for. It's like, you know, and I, and I get it. There's some guys that have both. So where do you put them? But Yeah, it, it seemed kind of like a, it was, they were trying to keep it modestly, like vintage over here, kind of, modern right. over there, kind right. of. But it was, it's really, it was really a patchwork. And it's like, it just was, seemed disorganized to me at least the way they went and i know that the the obviously work in shows 
the the guys who have preference are the guys who've done it the longest, and those are the and guys who are be closest. more likely vintage guys. Yeah, right. usually they're more likely vintage guys. They're the guys who are closer to the door, um, and, and I understand that. Uh, it just it, and and they shouldn't lose their spots. You could see as you went to the back uh, that that the dealers had much more common type of stuff, uh, whether it was modern or vintage. It was just not as high end because they're just getting in, right? They're just getting into to getting a table at the national, right? Yeah, it, uh, and again, I was able to find several cards. I want to talk about grading real quick. Uh, I know that I graded a couple of pre-war cards. Uh, neither of y'all graded anything when you were there, did you? Did you, George? I didn't. I lost you guys for a second. What was the question? Uh, did you grade anything at the show? I did give, I gave uh, SGC uh, two 1949 Dodger photo packs. Um, for some reason, PSA only grades the All-Star photo pack and the Cleveland Indians photo pack. They don't grade the Brooklyn Dodgers photo pack cards or, or pictures. So SGC does. I had gone online and filled out my form. So I dropped off a uh, Roy Campanella and a Jackie Robinson with them. And it was super quick. Uh, they were very friendly and uh, it was a good experience. So hopefully they get, hopefully they get high grades. <laughs> that's it. Though. That's all I, that's all I dropped. I, I actually sent my national, my PSA national submission, um, that eight, the, the $18 a card one. I, I actually sent mine off before I left because I didn't want to take, you know, take them with me and, and then that would take up space. Right. Yeah. Um, so I graded, uh, T206 Walter Johnson and a 1934 Gaudi. Lou Gehrig that I had bought raw and I took them there. It was $200 a card. I had thought it was going to be 250. That's what I had read. And that was my expectation. Sometime in the, in the few days leading up to the national, they lowered it to 200. So when I actually did my submission form, I was pleasantly surprised that it was going to cost me a hundred dollars less total to, to grade the two cards. And I, Showed them to some guys before I submitted them, and we all kind of had a consensus on the grades. Like I was, I was pretty on point, and you know, I got the here's the Walter Johnson T206 portrait, which is just a classic card, absolutely. And it's a two. It came back a two, which is what I expected. I turned them in, by the way, Wednesday at two o'clock ish, right? I had to wait a little while in the line even though I hadn't, it, which didn't make any sense to me. My forms were ready. I just wanted to drop off the cards. It seemed like that should be a faster process than it was. Whatever. Got that done, turned them in. I had the cards back in my hand Thursday morning at 9 a.m. That's crazy. Yeah, that's um, and good. Like, yes, that's how it's supposed to, like you would think, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, unfortunately, How was it last year? I think you put the cards in last uh, year. I turned them in Tuesday last year. They weren't taking submissions this year. On I tried on Tuesday. Right. Uh, I turned them in Tuesday the year before and got them back Thursday afternoon. Um, and then here's the the Gaudi Garrig. It's the number sixty one. For those of you listening on podcasts, it's the green uh, back version, and it came back a one and a half. I thought. For sure, this was just a flat one, maybe even an authentic. And the fact that it got numerically graded, 
the centering is dead nuts perfect. So that's I that's what everybody's saying. Probably got it the extra half point. The condition of the card is a one condition, but the centering might have helped it. So I was super thrilled. And and there are a lot of people that have criticized like I would never pay two hundred dollars to grade a card, and it's it's highway robbery. Look, it is what it is. You don't have to submit your cards to the PSA or SGC or whatever. I I chose to do that. Uh, to me, it was worth it. I added value to the cards by taking raw cards and grading them. It allows me to add them to registries. There's a lot of reasons that I do that, right? Not everybody has the same reasons or same likes, and that's cool. Um, Y'all want to see some other stuff I picked up? I can show. Um, yeah, sure. Let's I'll do show, it. I'll show that's a few more. Fun too, is it's so much fun seeing what other guys pick up. Yeah, George got a big, huge card, a couple other guys. And we've all said this, but it's like, it's just as much fun going around with someone, watching them buy stuff and see their excitement. It, it's just, there's nothing bad about going to Nashville. We're nitpicking a little bit about certain things, but overall, it's just, there's so many, so many things that are good. I got a couple of 35 diamond stars. Yeah. Um, Great set. You picked up one that I have, so then I have a feeling you're going to show. Yeah, and that that's another thing about the National. I have a few cards that I'm kind of like going, okay, I, if I see these, I'm going to be, I, I'll be looking to buy these. Those weren't even on my radar, but a dealer had a bunch of those and a bunch of other cards that I wanted, and I wanted to bundle them all together, and I love the Diamond Star set, the art deco-ness of it. It's very underrated, in my opinion, because uh, the Gaudis just get so much attention for that early to mid '30s era, you know. Uh, but that was a Sam. I have a. I got a Sam Rice. I got an Al Lopez, which is great. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I love the old catcher's mask hanging, uh, flying off of him, and it's kind of like the Jimmy Fox, I guess, similar to the the Fox card of that set. And don't you have the lines on the ball to show you that the ball is moving? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, just very cool set. Um, I got a couple of forty nine Bowman since we were talking about that. I and here's another thing that happens at the national that doesn't happen to me anywhere else. People give me cards <laughs> like, "Hey, uh, thanks for what you do." I got this forty nine Richie Ashburn rookie from a friend named Chris. He's a great guy, uh, and he gave me quite a an amazing stack of stuff. I'm just like, dude, stop it. And, but this was the last card he gave me. I mean, who gives somebody a 49 Bowman, Richie Ashburn rookie? It's like, okay. Oh, Dave does that. Blue jacket does that, but very few other people do that kind of stuff. And George, you guys have seen this, but I, there two cards I was targeting was the 49 Bowman page and a 53 tops, uh, Mickey Mantle. And when I asked, you can, you to, can hold that page up again. I'll want. do it in just a second. But the the guys that I was asking pre-show were like, "We'll get both," you know. And I'm like, "Dude, I can't afford both because especially the page, right? It's become a very pricey card." And you know, I walked around. I saw a bunch of pages, which I was shocked how many I saw. I only saw one 48 leaf page. I think on the whole floor. But I, and it was, it's way out of most of most normal human beings price ranges, including me. So the Bowman was a great alternative. Never bad to get a Satch card, right, George? Never bad. Oh, 
yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, never bad. So I look around. There's a like we've said before. All of us have said on this show, lots of high end ones, sixes, sevens, you know, fives. Even I'm like, well, I'm not gonna blow my entire budget for the show on one card. Uh, I just don't. I get there. There are guys that do that, and good for them. That's just not the way I like to work. I'm trying to get a quantity of quality. So I, and then all, and then I saw some beaters, you know, ones and twos, right? So I'm like, okay, you just keep looking, Mike, you know, just keep hunting. You never know what's going to be at the next booth. And I came across this one on Wednesday morning. It's a PSA three. It's in, it's off center, but I called Dave, right? Blue jacket, 66, 49 Bowman, you know, expert. Hey, here's the, I sent him a picture. He's like, Mike, don't care about centering. They're all off center. So don't worry about that. Worry about the registration, the color, the printing, that it's clear and not blurry. All of those things. If that's, I mean, this card looks beautiful. And if that's what you're seeing, then that that's your, that's your deal. And this dealer was certainly, I paid way under comps, by the way, for the same grade. Um, and that was the biggest card I picked up. So glad that I got that. Um, any thoughts, comments? Did you get that on Tuesday? Or when? Wednesday morning. Yeah. And I didn't find it till Wednesday. Like I didn't, I, we were only at the show on Tuesday for, we got there three o'clock ish and it closed oh, at 430. Okay. Oh, okay. So we didn't have a lot of floor time, just enough to kind of orient yourself and get some basic lay of the land kind of thing. Uh, the same dealer I bought the diamond stars from, I, I was, he had a bunch of great 50 and 52s and just all kinds of great stuff. I got a Pee Wee Reese. Yeah, you got a car there that I was looking for that I couldn't find. This one right here? Nope. I, oh, come on. You know I have that. I got a 52 Bowman Stan Musual in a five, which never thought I would buy a five. But I was, again, you bundle this stuff together and it starts making more sense, you know, because you get a larger and larger discount. Um, let's see. I got a couple of 52 tops cards, honestly. Uh, a PAFCO card number one, just a classic card in the hobby, you know. Uh, mine's in a two, but what's cool is you can find because you have so many to choose from, even in low grades, you can really look for good examples in that grade. Do you all agree with that? That be that oh, you can. Be like more picky is maybe not the right word, but certainly, um, you just have more options, right? It's like Lou Rock says, even even OC cards need love, right? Even even ones and twos need love. Um, I I, I look at all this stuff, you know, like a lot of that stuff that, uh, you know, like if I found I almost bought a fifty another fifty Bowman Jackie because it was in a one point five and it was a really nice one point five and the guy wouldn't go to meet me at my where i wanted to be uh but i didn't, I didn't necessarily put it out of my mind that i wasn't going to buy the card but i was still interested in it uh yeah there's all, all kinds of cards in the grading scale but you find them and you're like well, why is that that doesn't look like a two or that doesn't look like a one which is what i kind of kind of like the ones we're looking for at least of the higher you know rarer cards um mike what what made you go with that specific satchel page was you said it was the uh 
the color and the background, the, the registration of it? Did, did it just pop to you? Did you just say, wow, totally. that looks better than the others? The minute I saw it, well, it's always a combination of card, card, the way the card, by the card, not the grade, but it doesn't mean the grade doesn't matter to me. So I, I cared about the grade and price. You have to find where all three of those are good for you, whatever that is in your mind. Every, all of us have budgets and I had a budget and, you know, I, I, cause I wanted to try to get both the mantle and the page. And I knew I couldn't do it if I spent too much on the page. I, believe me, I probably wouldn't have regretted the decision, but I just, no, you'll never regret anything. on but, that part. Um, I got spawn. Nice. beautiful 52 top spawn. I mean, this was just a card I, again, not targeting, but I saw it and the colors just popped on it. Even though it's a PSA three, it was just gorgeous. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, and the price was right. Like, that's the thing It's like, if I would have seen that card and it was twice as much, I wouldn't have even negotiated. I would have just walked away and moved on to another card. But when you find a, car, a card you need or want in the right price, then you do it. Uh, and then I got the mantle 53 tops. So I need this one. I needed this one in the 52 to finish a mantle run of all this Bowman and tops cards, base cards. This is a card I've thought the 53 tops I've thought has been well out of my normal price range forever. It's always been a popular card. One of the most beautiful cards in the hobby. And I found this 1.5 and I couldn't believe how awesome it looked. And I was like, now there is a crease on it that runs right through the middle, but it's, I mean, I had to look, you know, when you have to take a card and look at it from so many angles to find what's wrong with it and you do, you never don't see it again. Like that's kind of the thing, but I still have to, like, even on this one, I have to really, now where was that again? You know, it doesn't stand out when you use that's the card. card I What's agree. That? That's a good card, Ben. If you can't yeah. freeze right away. And so being a 1.5, it was like, okay, if I do the page and this, I can I can do both and still be able to pick up some other stuff. Uh, so that was a great pick. George, you saw it in person, right? Both of y'all yeah, saw it. Yeah, it, was, it was nice. It was nice. I mean, yeah, if, if if you can't see the wrinkle, like you know, you got to start doing this to it. I mean, if the wrinkle doesn't break, I know some people are averse to wrinkles, but I mean, my thought is I'd rather have centering and registration, wrinkle. I'm fine with a little wrinkle here and there. It's like if it breaks the color, then that's a problem for me personally. Right. But that, yeah, that that was a really nice mantle. I think that was a really good move. Um, I was looking at that card myself. One thing I did notice is if, if you were in the market for Mickey Mantle, um, this is your show. You, you're gonna you're gonna find more mantles than you've ever seen in your entire life. This show. We talk about the high end stuff. Now, are you gonna find rarer mantles? Maybe not. But uh, if you wanted to do your mantle run, I mean, I, I there was a guy who had like ten raw mantles all going all the way down like fifty three in in a series of like six cases. I don't know if you saw this. this I seller. did. It was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But uh, also, like, you know, you could, like, people brought a lot of their Jackie stuff, not the rarer stuff, or you couldn't find much, you know, like, a, I was on looking for a, a 48 swell Jackie Robinson, and there was one at the show, one, and uh, plenty of 48 Lee rookies, plenty of 50 Bowman Jackies, plenty of 56 Jackies, so, like, it was good for, you know, a lot of 
a lot of uh, the all-time greats and their base runs. I think that's what a lot of people seem to bring, at least in vintage, that I saw. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to show one couple more. Um, another gift from a great guy right here. PSA 5, 1970 tops. Pete Rose and a PSA 5. That was from George himself. That should be a 7, Mike. That's like a 7. Crack I looked seven. at it on the plane, and I, it's got to be the back centering is the only thing that killed this card. Yeah, I don't know. That card's awesome. So It is I awesome. You, I hope you enjoy it. I um, Very much. It's going into the beast as soon as this show is over. This was the last, that last time I'm showing these off um, before they go to their permanent home. <laughs> I also got a 70. This was a found money thing. I, I won some money at the casino and was able to pick up a 71 tops Frank Robinson and a seven. I was probably a John Wade Boggs fan oh. with you when you first yeah. saw it. And uh, we were in line because I was filming him getting Wade Boggs autograph. And, and I guess I'm not sure exactly where that card is. He's like, I know right where it is and he was going and you i guess according to him you were like are you sure and then he went to the table i was like there it is he did and i was like having friends in this community i couldn't believe i thought it was literally on the other side of the room yeah and i'm like are you sure we're going in the right direction and he said yep i know exactly where it is i said okay because he was trying to buy a card from the same dealer and uh uh but I was able to finish my Robinson run. So I'm super thrilled And here's another example of a card you have no idea you want until you see it. But it was a 73 Calbee Sadahara O. I got a Sadahara. You did? I did. First card I bought in the show, nowhere near being on my radar. Yeah. But that's what's cool about a show like this is you will see things I agree with you, George. There's not like tons of super rare stuff that we might be looking for. Honestly, we probably couldn't afford it if we did see it, but that, um, the guy that had all the Japanese, I just went totally blank on his name. Robert. Robert. Thank you. Robert had all the, he's super nice. Is that, that's prestige collectibles, right? Yes. Prestige collectibles. And he knows all the YouTubers. Yeah. And he's like, build a dream, diamond yard, baseball collector. Yeah, he, he was great. He really great. I mean, he gave me a really great deal on mine. Yeah, me too. Um, and he also taught me a lot. Like I was, I didn't know anything really. And so I'm like, okay, tell me about this and tell me about this and that. And so I've always thought about adding one, but I always felt uneducated to make a good decision about what card to add. Does that make, have y'all ever felt that way? Like, eh. I don't. George doesn't. He knows about everything. But the rest no, of us, no. the rest of us humans have to. But when I bought mine, I mean, the eye appeal of mine caught my eye right away. I'm like, that's a cool card. But I had Rick Oddball cards and John Mangini with me, and they were both like, if you don't buy it, we're buying it. Okay. <laughs> that's all you need to hear, right? Yep. Um, so that you know, I again, I had a great show in terms of pick. I was able to add everything from page and mantle to stuff like a, a 56 tops Richie Ashburn, you know, but unfortunately there wasn't a lot of this, you know, there was a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. Well, you bought the 50 Ashburn. That was the card I was talking about. It was on my, oh, that I, I couldn't find. 
which I love how we say we always collect both by Prada or O. Or o. I was looking for that card. I couldn't find a decent one. Well, this is a great looking four. Yeah, that's, and that's the range I was looking at. Three or four. And I paid $55 for it. Yeah, that's a great price. And you, you bundled. I saw your video with the three other cards you bought. Yeah. I remember that vendor because I remember those little black I think there's a bunch of girls working for yep. working the. the yep. I remember they, had, they were like uh, what you would get at a jeweler. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yes. So I saw that on your video. I was like, I remember that booth. But that was classy. Like, yeah. I was, they made that really made the cards pop and stand out. I was. We were like, both oh. talking about it. It made an impression. We remember that booth. I don't remember any of the cards they had, but because they did that, you know, that's a unique selling point. That's cool. For sure. You know, I didn't, I did, I literally didn't pay sticker for any cards. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot if the stickers are, are bonkers. Right. But the reality is I was able to buy at or below comps on every card that I bought pretty much. Yeah. Uh, other than the Robinson, which was at the end and I didn't care cause I, it wasn't my money. It was Hera's money. So I didn't, you know, I, I just bought at comps or slightly above. It was a natural too. I found a musical piece that I'd never seen before. I knocked 50 bucks off of it, bought it. It's still on everyone at the house. It, like, never seen it before. Didn't see it anywhere else. They're on the shelf. And you know what? I found another one. I can't believe there's another one here. And I was almost afraid to look at the price because I'm like, oh, I hope I didn't overpay. I couldn't look at comps. It turns out the one I bought was a lot less. The one, that the guy had like, so I was like I've never seen it before in my life and today I've seen well within two days I saw two of them. Right. Um any cards you were targeting that you couldn't find, George? Uh yes, a lot. But I, I also <laughs> I also realized that uh I, I need to be more focused with my list. I had a list of like 30 cards and I probably should have narrowed it down more. And I'm just looking for certain things and certain grades, but the, yeah, I was looking for a, I was looking for a, a 48 uh, swell Jackie Robinson. There was one at the show, didn't particularly like it, and the <laughs> my son's back there. And the dealer was actually one of the two dealers at the show that was kind of you know standoffish. They it, most of the oh, show I was dealers with you on that one. That guy was a jerk. You, you were there. You yeah. were, saw it. Yeah. Don lifted his eyes. It's like, mm. but anyway, um, well, tell me the story. I mean, no. <laughs> or, I mean, I said to him, I said, this is the only, this seems like the only swell Jackie Robinson the show I've seen so far. And he looks at me, he's like, well, good for me. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't help. The, that <laughs> doesn't help lubricate the wheels here, man. You know, um, I had, I was trying to do a deal. I was looking for an E101 Christy Matthewson or a Dockman and Sons Christy Matthewson. It's a sideways Matthewson with like the fire sky in the background. And uh, I, there was a seven at the show, which was very expensive. And there was a SGC four, which I was interested in. And I started trying to negotiate with the dealer. Do you buy cards? And so I took out some of my cards to have them to look at, you know, you know, there was a 49 Bowman Jackie Robinson there. There was a 50 Bowman Jackie Robinson there. They were centered. And, and he looks at me and he's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll move on. <laughs> uh, so you know, I, a lot of funny experiences kind of with just interacting with dealers. Um, and, but I would tell you what, I remember when I was a kid, you go to shows. And the dealers are these old codgers. And maybe it's just my impression. And you, you'd be like, I see that Hank Aaron. And they're like, you can't afford it anyway. Yeah, that was kind of my 
like I, my impression in the past of dealers and these days dealers are, are, are way better. I think, I mean, I see most dealers standing up, showing attention, you know, you want to stand up as a dealer, not just be sitting there in your phone. So I, I feel like most of the dealers though, those stories are, are the outliers. Um, but other cards I was looking for, um, I was looking for a 38 Gaudi Joe DiMaggio that was like maybe a two or a three that was like nice and not, I couldn't, I couldn't seem to find one. There were a few at the show, you know. Uh, I couldn't find one of those though that I, I felt like was where I wanted to be on on that. Uh, there were a lot of cobs there, a lot of T two hundred six cobs, a lot of a lot of cool cards. But um, those were just three, I guess. The the E one hundred one Matthewson, the thirty eight Gaudi, the Maggio, and the Swell Jackie. I was not finding what I was. You don't. Yeah, I would. I would tell you, maybe. 10 to 12 cards is a good focus list amount of cards to have because it does get so overwhelming. And what's funny is as you go along in the show and you have a, just a few cards in your mind, you see them faster at a, at a table and it just like, Oh, I got it. Or Nope, they don't have it because you know what that card looks like in your brain. Mm -hmm. And you can just recognize the, the, the page is, you know, I was looking for pages, right? Yeah, well, that color is so distinct, and I had it in my mind what it looks like, and I could just, yep, nope, move mm -hmm. on, get through it quickly. Uh, Don, what about you? Any any experiences with? Yeah, I mean, last year it, it's funny. The stuff I bought last year was Clemente heavy. This year I didn't buy any Clemente, and, and I got a lot of my museum stuff, but it was kind of unique oddball stuff because there's only so many museums in there, and the ones I don't have are so rare. And I came across one. Learn my lesson. If you watch my channel, you know what I did last year with Honest Wagner. The guy said 27. I'm like, 27,000? He's like, 27,5. I'm like, okay, good. I didn't bid $25 on it this year. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was surprised. I, I I bought more things that I didn't expect to than I did. I mean, I mean my big card was the 49 Bowman that I wanted. Uh, the 48 Leafs. Museum. The 49 Leaf is big on my list. It just wasn't in my range this year. And uh, I watched one of your earlier videos with you and JP. It must have been the first day. And when I ran into you guys and I was commenting then, well, I really like that 2.5. And he's like, I flipped it. I was like, he's like, I got this four. And I don't remember if you or him said it's for sale. They gave me a price that I thought was fair. I figured JP was giving me a deal. But I didn't, I didn't know how good of a deal until I got back to the room and looked it up. And when I saw him at your your get together, I had to go up to him and like, "Thank you, man. I, I can't believe what a deal you gave me." And he ended up telling me the whole story later. I know what he paid for it. He didn't make that much money on it. He did not <laughs> at all. And I was like, I, I'm so appreciative that you did that for me. But do you know what he told me? That he was so excited to be able to do that for you yeah that that was a second he made a little money like literally a little money <laughs> like yeah, he made 50 bucks yeah but that was but he held it for like he half an hour made a lot more. <laughs> yeah he could have yeah. made a lot more and he knows that but he's, yeah. he's like that's not but he probably know. knew i'm a musical collector you know like that means to me and i always look at that card and i'll always remember being you were actually talking and said, hey, I'm going to get a hot dog or hamburger or whatever. Yeah. Come over the line. Well, I just went over to BS with you. Yeah. So I'll always remember when I look at that card, I'll remember that experience. 
and we, that he, he threw me a bone, and I, and I know that. But that, that's, again, in this community, and if you want to get in it, please do. We're all accepted, and, and the amount of free stuff I got, the guys in the house, the blue dog came out and gave me some stores, gave me some um, I got an autograph piece of Negro League players, and Buck O'Neill is one of them. And, and Jake and Scott uh, Reindeer Studios were showing it to me. And he stood it aside, and he had a second one. I'm like, that's so cool. And they're like, it's yours. I'm like, what? You mean it's mine? Wow. I muted George just because oh. I can hear a. Yeah. A buzzing in the back so george i'll put you back on when you need to talk here yeah. and there was another incident where someone i bought something and they bought me something yeah you know, i'll talk about it on my channel but it's like it's like good god guys like it's just you you don't go in expecting that nor do you i don't want to say want it because we appreciate it when we get it but that's not what it's about we're not going in there to get free stuff right yeah i would as we finish up here, I don't want to go. I mean, we could talk literally for hours about the show. I think we've hopefully given you guys a, a great insight into our experience and and given our vintage, what we look for. Hopefully you guys kind of enjoyed hearing about it. No bad things. I mean, I'm not going to remember in five years the fact that there was no parking or that they ran out of food or that some, a couple of dealers were jerks. What I do will remember is all that, like you said, Don, the experiences, the hanging out, the who I got cards from. I'll, I'll never forget that I got that 70 tops Pete Rose from George. Never. I'll never yeah. forget. You, you know, know. Mike, last year you enforced me to go. I harped on George to go this year. George has to pass it on to someone else. And like I was telling guys, I thought last year it was okay. It's my bucket list. Knocked it off. Good. I, I've got a national under my belt. I'm good. No. It's like, unless I just really can't make it, I'm I'm gonna try to be there every year possible. Yeah. George, yeah. any final thoughts from you? Are you hearing that buzzing? Yes, that is. Uh, those are locusts. Those are cicadas. I'm outside. <laughs> they just they buzz like electric wires here in the summer. Uh, if I I got the best pickup for me of the show was something uh, that I got from Scott Reindeer Studios. Uh, he's going to do a video about it. Uh, it's something that we worked together with an idea on, but really, you know, he put together and did an awesome job. So uh, I'm going to show it once he shows it, but uh, it's something, if you're into vintage, you're really, really going to like. And it was incredibly touching and awesome. Uh, so shout out to Reindeer Studios. Check it is Scott's awesome. Channel, obviously. I've seen it too. And I've shown a card of the player that's featured on it in this show. So... Yep. I saw it at his house when it wasn't done. And three days later, he takes me a picture. I'm like, I can't believe how much more you've got finished on that thing. That guy's amazing. He, he'll never admit it. But he, he, he will, uh, my yeah, friend. thanks for having us on, Mike. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's you fun. bet. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for coming on. And uh, yeah, don't if, leave comments. If you have questions, Instagram. You can Instagram me at, at baseball collector Mike. Uh, George has his own channel, Diamond Yard Sports Cards. It's fantastic, awesome vintage stuff. Go check it out if you're on YouTube. Don's Field of Dreams cards, of course. 
amazing collection. Very, if you like my stuff, you'll like George and John's stuff. I promise. And so we collect a lot of likes. We do. And so thank you guys again for being here and to all of you out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to keep collecting. We'll talk to you soon.